Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode of Bookmarked is brought to you by Libro FM. Get two books for the price of one with your first month of membership using the code BOOKSTACKED. Again, use promo code BOOKSTACKED when you start your membership at Libro.fm. Or check the show notes for a quick link to get started. Offer only valid for new members in the US and Canada. Hey everyone, just a couple of quick notes before we get started. First of all, thank you to anyone who's been patiently waiting for this book club discussion. We announced our book club selection earlier in the year, but believe it or not, there's been a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes and we're actually still trying to figure some of that stuff out. Unfortunately, one of the items that was pushed back amidst all of the craziness was the book club. So if you read our book club pick and have been waiting for us to release this episode, we just wanted to say thank you so much for your patience. We are still planning on doing more book club picks this year and hopefully by then everything will have settled down. Second, we just wanted to let you know that we do read at least one excerpt from the book club selection that contains a swear word, and rather than editing it out, we chose to leave it in because that's how the author wrote it. All right, that's enough for me, so let's jump into the episode. Hey everyone, welcome to Bookmarked, a YA book podcast from bookstacked.com. My name is Saul, and today I am joined by Spencer. Hi everyone. And Eleanor. Hi. So just us three today, going to be kind of like a small, cozy book club. (laughs) But yes, this is our first book club discussion for the year. As we've talked about, I think, in numerous episodes leading up to this, we had a lot of fun doing our book club last year. We read three phenomenal books. We're hoping to get four in this year, and this is going to be the first one. And the book is All My Rage by Sabah Tahir. It's a contemporary novel. Chances are, if you're listening to this, you've probably already read it (laughs) because we're going to be deep diving into this book. And so a couple of things before we begin, because of what I just said, the fact that we are going to delve into this book, there are going to be spoilers. So if you haven't read this, go pick it up and then come back here. Um, We do that with all of our book club discussions. We, We usually don't make them spoiler free because... That's kind of the point of the book club is to read the book and then come and discuss it. So we hope that you'll do that as you have time. And then the other thing we wanted to bring attention to is there are some content warnings at the beginning of this book. And again, we I think I said this in the previous book that we've done. We don't have these scripted out, so we don't like know exactly where, where our conversation is going to go. But because these elements are in the book, there is a very real possibility that we're going to be discussing them in this podcast. So we wanted to put them on your radar. Spencer has them open, and he's just going to be reading the content warning straight from the book. All My Rage contains the following content. Drug and alcohol addiction, physical abuse, Islamophobia, mentions of repressed sexual assault, tense exchange with law enforcement, and death. 
yeah, just some things to be aware of. If this podcast isn't going to be for you, obviously that's okay. But if it is, then we hope that you'll enjoy your time here and let's jump right into the, the discussion. This is our first contemporary since Concrete Rose, which was our very first book club pick. The last couple have been fantasy and sci-fi, so it was kind of fun to go back to contemporary a little bit. And just to kick off the discussion, I wanted to get your guys' overall general thoughts and feelings about this book. How did you feel about it? Did you like it? So, yeah, no, I really enjoyed this. I don't read a lot of contemporary, so... When I sort of read the blurb that we were going to be reading this one for book club, I was like, oh, it's a good good chance to get back into it. And it's a bit of a palate cleanser from a lot of fantasy that I read. I think my main takeaways were just how powerful and how moving this book is. And I think that's another reason why I liked it in a similar level to the way I like Concrete Rose, because it has such deep messages and meanings underneath it. And it gives you a lot to think about and it gives you, um, especially me, it gives me a whole new perspective on people's lives. It's, you know, completely opposite to life that I've grown up in and the culture that I've grown up in. So it's interesting to learn a lot more about that and learn about the prejudices that people face and, yeah, just kind of round out my own understanding of the world, really. Yeah, I also love this book. It was my first introduction to Saba Tahir, who we should mention is probably best known for her fantasy series, A Number in the Ashes. And I hadn't read her fantasy writing, but just this being my first novel of hers, I was just deeply impressed with her writing. Like some of the things Eleanor mentioned, just how kind of captivating and moving and emotional the story was and how she was able to give such deep insights into the lives of uh, these characters who like lives are so different from my own. So this is one of those books that is in the style of of just some of my favorite books. I do read a lot of YA contemporaries. I do love to read books that share like perspectives that that are so different from mine just to see what lives are like in different places and with different people. But this is definitely one of the strongest YA contemporaries I've read in a while and I was really impressed by it. I feel like I've said this now for the previous three books. I feel like all the book club picks that we've done, I've immensely enjoyed each of them. And there's no exception here. All My Rage, I thought, was really well done. Once again, I think it's one of the better books I've read in years. It's not my first Saba Tahir novel. I did read Ember in the Ashes, although I didn't read the final book. I I still need to, to pick that one up and read it. But one of the things I loved about A Number in the Ashes was I felt like she really gave a lot of weight to her characters. I don't know. There's just something about her characters. They you can relate to them a little bit. They're all like struggling with their own personal battles. And there's just something organic about the way she writes them. And I felt that in Ember in the Ashes. But I feel that way, way more here in All My Rage. And in fact, I would I think I would say that I prefer all my rage over an ember in the ashes which is kind of funny because i think like eleanor i very much prefer fantasy i read contemporary every once in a while but fantasy science fiction those are my my go-tos those are my my main books so having read her fantasy works as well as all my rage i'm a little surprised that all my rage is the one that sticks out to me the most but also it's not that surprising because she's such a talented writer and it only makes sense that after getting four books completed with Ember in the Ashes, that she would excel on her fifth novel. So yeah, there's a lot of good stuff here. There were little elements too, where I felt I was able to relate with the characters. And I myself am not an immigrant, but I'm Mexican-American. My father was an immigrant. And so there were little small things here and there that I was actually able to relate to which I thought was surprising and in some ways a little sad. More than anything, it was the subtle racism type of moments that that happened in the book. 
And so I don't know, we can jump into that maybe, maybe later. But yeah, there were little elements too. And I was just kind of like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm not the only one who has experienced this. And even somebody from a different culture is experiencing this similar thing to me. So that was kind of cool to see, but also a little sad <laughs> to see as well. It's kind of a sad realization as well. But anyway, there's one thing I want to jump into. And I found this interview with Saba Tahir that she did with Elle magazine. And it's a really good interview because she talks a lot about this book and about her process and writing the book and kind of like what it meant to her. And so I wanted to read just a portion of it and get your feedback on it. So this is what it says. And again, this is Saba Tahir speaking. It took me 15 years to write All My Rage. It really started as a book about the motel where I grew up and the people who were tenants there. And then it transformed and became a book about the people who ran the motel. Then in 2017, after someone I knew overdosed on fentanyl and passed away, it started becoming a book about trauma and addiction. For a long time, the book was a conversation with myself. I did not think I was going to publish this book. It was this book that I would work on when I was sad or frustrated. I was under contract for An Ember in the Ashes and for three more in that series. That was a lot of pressure. So All My Rage was this creative space where I could work on something that nobody knew about and no one had any expectations for. It was almost like a safe space for me over the course of those 15 years. So I just thought that was interesting. When, when I read that, the first thing I thought of was I actually did interview Saba Tahir. It was seven years ago, I think. She was passing through here in Utah, and it was a very spontaneous thing where I saw she was here and tweeted her <laughs> and said, hey, can can we meet up? I'd love to interview you for Bookstacked. And she made it work, and we met up in like the back room of a Barnes & Noble while Brandon Sanderson was out front giving a presentation in the same bookstore. It was kind of funny. But when we sat down and we talked about An Ember in the Ashes at the time, she had only released the first Ember in the Ashes book. She had mentioned that she had been spending, she had spent like upwards to 10 years with those characters, with the Ember in the Ashes characters. And I remember thinking, wow, you're, you're somebody who has put so much time and thought into your characters and who has really developed them. And when I read this and she said it took her 15 years to write All My Rage, I immediately thought of that comment that she made to me all those years ago about her characters with an ember in the ashes. Yeah, I think on hearing that, you can really see that she has poured her heart and soul into it. I'm sure she has for an ember in the ashes as well, but you can really see that it's her working through all of this trauma and um, experiences that she's had throughout her life. All I knew about the book was that it was inspired by her life. I didn't know it was, you know, those specific details. So, yeah, thinking back, you can you can really see that it, it is has been used as a bit of a release for her and a bit of catharsis. And that's actually made it even stronger, I think. Yeah, I think that quote that you just read really is reflected in the writing. The Especially to me, the characters felt very like lived in, very round, very full. It felt almost like you were reading a, a memoir. And so I know a lot of this is fictionalized. It's not all based on details of her life, but it did feel like someone was telling their own story. The book is written, you know, in three different points of view. We hear from uh, Nord, we hear from uh, Salahuddin, we hear from Misbah, and all three of them just feel it's like you're almost reading yeah like a memoir from three different people working together like um the characters really feel like yeah they're 15 years old at least you know like that's not something that somebody just dreamed up overnight it really does feel like this was thought out 
uh, and developed over years and years. Just going to mention, because you mentioned that we hear from Ms. Burnett, I just really liked that you had that point of view in there as well, because it did add that rounding and that, that you know, the, the other two characters are very young and adding her in, it really made it feel aged and, like you said, lived in. And yeah, I just thought her her um, chapters were even added a little bit extra to it. Yeah, her chapters were incredible, which goes a little bit into one of the things I wanted to talk about. But yeah, at, at just like our previous book club discussions, basically the way we're going to structure this conversation moving forward is we've each got a takeaway, maybe a couple, I don't know. Um, but we're each going to get a chance to kind of bring up some sort of topic or something we want to discuss about with this novel. I guess I'm happy to start since you are bringing up Miss Buck because she, for me, I think was the most interesting character because we get so little time with her in the beginning while she's alive. But in those few short chapters, I don't know, you can just tell that this is a very good, kind-hearted person. Like, this is this is the type of person that you would want in your life. And so when the death happens, it's it's really devastating. But then to go back after the fact and read little moments and snippets of her life, I don't know, it kind of puts her in a different light. You You grow to respect her even more. And for me, one of the things that that stood out to to me in this novel, I would say this is my big takeaway, is that there's really so much sadness in this book. Like every character, and whether it's Misbah or Nur or Salahuddin, each one is carrying their own trauma and, and their own weight. And yet, when I got to the end of the book, I felt super hopeful about life. I don't know if optimistic is the right word, but maybe optimistic uh, is appropriate here. I was really sad and I felt emotionally damaged almost like I was definitely in tears. But on the other hand, it was like a beautiful, a beautiful feeling. And I really do credit a lot of that to Mispa, because like I said, when you you look at her as a whole and the way she's presented in this novel, she comes across as this very optimistic and good and kind-hearted person in the in the very beginning of the book. But when you reach the end of the book, you actually realize and you're aware of all of the crazy things that she's been through, right? Like leaving, you know, immigrating to a new country, the, all of the the difficulties in starting a, a business, um, her husband just kind of like falling to alcoholism, everything that happens to Sal, which is just holy crap traumatic. And then even at the end of her life, kind of watching this huge fight between Noor and Sal, like that's how she she dies. Well, that's not even completely resolved. Oh, and then also, of course, she she feels like she's failed in helping Noor. She, she, anyway, she's got so much wrapped into her. And yet there's such like a goodness and kindness to her, despite all of that. And for me, getting to the end of the novel, that becomes really apparent is just how present that goodness is. And I, I don't know, I thought that was incredible. And I feel like got to take like a real skill from the writer to be able to balance that in some way, to to bring in all this darkness, but also be able to bring in this incredible like shred of light. So that was one of my big takeaways, just how surprisingly hopeful this book felt at the end. Yeah, uh, I think it, it, I wasn't convinced that it was going to end up hopeful because it had what's sort of like almost this domino effect of all this these things just kept happening and happening and happening and I just got to a point like devastated and in tears and like is anything you know is it going to get better and then yeah when it comes to the end and you have those final moments with with Miss Burr and 
you start to see them all figure their figure their lives out and figure their futures out and yeah I agree like the the talent to be able to explore so much grief and so much trauma and then round it out with this message of hope and determination and, and to have Misbah as this like light in the darkness that you know even though this terrible thing has happened like good still prevails and she's still there and there is hope for all of us I suppose. Yeah I had a, a similar takeaway all around the character of uh, Misbah and the theme of forgiveness that runs throughout the novel. I loved that that kind of twist I guess you would call it towards the end of the novel when we fill in the Auntie Misbah's final words from a message to Nor to forgive to actually uh, a asking Nor to forgive me. Uh, we we fill in that last word of her sentence to me, and that like really hit me. And and so I was just impressed that some of these themes around forgiveness, faith, the role that hope plays in the story balances out so well with some of the heavy topics and and things that are included. And and so that I think that that made the story so much meaningful. So I'm, I'm struggling to even find the words. But anyways, that it did have that hopeful ending, I guess, is so impressive because like Eleanor said, when I started reading or in the middle of the book, I didn't know that that hopeful ending was coming. It also made me feel hopeless at points. And so I think that's just a sign of really strong writing that it can bring me to feelings of hopelessness and then bring me back to a place of hope. Wow, that was so impactful and impressive. What's great about it, too, is I feel like it's the sort of thing that could be cheesy or could undermine the entire story if it wasn't like an experienced storyteller <laughs> that was telling this story, but it doesn't come across that way at all. I mean, I, I've i definitely read or seen movies and, and stuff where it, it can get kind of like to the darker, gritty things, and then all of a sudden it does like a 180, and it's like, yeah, life sucks, but we have each other, and <laughs> life is actually great. And it just, it feels really cheesy, it feels really hollow, and it feels like it undermines all of the work that had been done previously, but it didn't feel that way here. And part of me wonders if it's because when you kind of reach that sense of hope, it really is kind of toward the end of toward the end of the novel. And it's sort of a touching off point for the characters, right? We don't actually get to explore their we don't really get to spend time with them exploring everything that happens after, the hopefully the good stuff that happens after. But we just get a sense of there will be good things to come. And I think something about that, the fact that she's that it was just very subtle, it just added the right tone or shift that, that was necessary in this book. Yeah, it felt very earned. Like you said, it wasn't just like a, a, a gimme. The characters had to really put in the the efforts to get to that place. They had to, you know, forgive each other, for example, that was a big theme. And that didn't come easy. Like there, there was real pain felt and it's not a, an easy thing to forgive someone. And so they had to and it took time. It took years, you know, or, or months in them. Um, at the end of the novel, some other separation, Saluddin's time uh, away in prison, etc. They really had to bear the consequences of a lot of their choices or a lot of um, the consequences of, of just uh, life. And so, yeah, it was very earned and satisfying ending in that way. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think it's so satisfying because it's so real. You read a lot of books and there's just something a little bit fake about things. And, you know, when someone's hurt you it takes a lot of time to forgive them and I really felt that Sabata here has has made that evident in her writing she's she's made it feel as real I know it's you know contemporary but it 
it does like there's this time and they have to take all this time to heal and it doesn't you know it doesn't round up perfectly and everyone's happy and everyone's going to live their amazing lives now at the end it's okay we have a way to go but we've begun the journey and I think for me that's what I ended up really liking about the book is just how accurate it felt and how realistic it felt it wasn't a a throwaway like comment at the end like you mentioned so it was yeah it felt accurate to life which weirdly I don't feel like I read very often there's a quote here from the book I actually want to show that kind of reflects how real it all felt this is uh Nor speaking to Sal Hood and she says uh sometimes Sal it feels like too much I think about the shit we've read in school those books all about one problem a kid who's bullied a kid who's beaten a kid who's poor and I think of us and how we've won the shit luck lottery. We have all the problems. And I just like that that quote almost in a teasing way, almost criticized other books in the sense that really just maybe get so focused on one problem when in reality, like young people growing up experience a lot of problems. And also, of course, some young people experience many, many more problems than others. And, you know, this is a book about, you know, Nor and Sal who do experience a lot of problems, but it didn't feel like it was just like a a pile on and like it never felt cruel it never felt just over the top trauma narrative type of thing like it felt very real to the experiences that real young people have to deal with so i thought it was a, a really great kind of exploration of realism yeah i feel like because of that and maybe you could speak better to this spencer but i feel like because of that younger readers are going to be able to relate to this book very easily as well like this is one of those books where where i feel like you could hold it up and you could say here is proof that YA, there's some really good stuff here. There are really good conversations to be had. There's some really authentic uh, narratives that are being told by some incredible storytellers. And I feel like this is one of those books that you can point to and say, look at this. This is this is as good as any adult memoir that you're that you're going to go find on the New York Times bestseller list. Like I feel like this can go toe to toe with with any of those books. Absolutely. I had that exact impression when I finished reading. That was one of my first thoughts, actually, was that anybody who is not reading YA, who who's kind of dismisses it and says, I, I don't want to read a young adult novel for teens, is completely missing out if they're not reading books like this. Like anybody who would just dismiss this out of hand because it's a YA novel is just missing out on a, an amazing reading experience. I completely agree there. It's, you know, you have some YA which is more lighthearted, which is absolutely necessary and great what it's doing but then yeah all my rage really really shows that why it isn't just this stereotype that a lot of people have for it and it's doing a lot of good for a lot of younger readers and it's doing a lot of good for a lot of not so young readers to kind of remind them that you know the younger generations now are dealing with so so much and with technology and whatever you know there's a lot more going on than I think maybe some adults probably realize because they didn't grow up like that and this is, yeah, like you said, so that it could go toe to toe with some of these real life memoirs, as it were, like that's just as powerful. And if anything, more so because it's an amalgamation of all these different things that one person has experienced. And it is an amazing storyteller to be able to to bring that to so many different people. Yeah, I'm just thinking of, well, the one memoir I read in recent years, because i feel like I only read YA because of Bookstacked, but I read Educated by Tara Westover, which I think I've mentioned on this this podcast before, which I thought was a phenomenal, incredible book. And I looking and I'm looking at All My Rage and I'm like, All My Rage 
does everything educated does as well but it's it's a completely different perspective too which is what's so welcoming and refreshing about it as well and that's one of the other great things about YA not that everything is perfect of course but I feel like YA really is leaps and bounds ahead of other parts of the entertainment industry when it comes to diversity and representation again I know that there are issues out there they pop up all the time on Twitter but I think if you look at it and honestly look at it YA is so much more progressive than than even like the biggest blockbuster movies that that you see, you know, in theaters. I mentioned like there were little elements of it that I was able to relate to. Going in, I, I had read the blurb and I knew it was again loosely based on her life, but I, I didn't necessarily think there were gonna be little moments that were I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's really familiar. But yeah, there were things here and there. And it was mostly in the subtle racism. I've never had, I don't think I've ever been verbally assaulted or or assaulted in any other way because of my race, the way some of the characters are in this book, or you might see even in the news and just out in, in real life. But there have been subtle things that I've definitely come across in my life, and they were present here. Uh, the little moments where you'll have one of the characters trying to speak to someone or somebody trying to speak to them and they're like, oh, do you speak English? <laughs> you know, it's this weird assumption that because you're brown, you're you're not going to be able to communicate. And for me, what, what was always interesting and weird about that was I've only ever experienced that when I've been working with my dad because my dad is a landscaper, which Another thing I can really relate to, or I guess that was a little familiar in that Sal's mother was a business owner. She was an immigrant business owner, and my my father has been that. And, you know, she's in the hospitality industry. He's doing landscaping in Arizona. Very different professions, but the struggles and worries about a business, I have seen that. But anyway, when I'm out there pushing a lawnmower or cutting grass or, or something, and I'm not necessarily like dressed up nicely that's when I would get those comments it's like when I was a service worker when I was like in the service industry that's when I would get those comments otherwise if I'm just like out and about people don't really treat me that way but I don't know there's something about when when you've kind of got that hat on people see you differently and so what when Sal's in his hotel and people approach him in that sense I don't know I was just kind of surprised to see that and it's always been something I've never really liked like experiencing and so I was kind of surprised to uh to find it here it was just almost a little shocking i think that the way that the the book is able to give such like really in-depth and and meaningful representation to those identities of uh, pakistani americans immigrants while still being relatable to like Saul, ex your experiences like you just shared um there were moments that i felt like i could relate to in the story of course not the moments of racism but in some of the conversations about death and grief and knowing people dealing with addiction things like that the way that the story is still able to be I think relatable to really any reader. Again, it's just a sign of of Sabatier's finesse and her ability to to write a story that I think connects people as well. Like I think that that's fair to say. Like I think this very much was a story. Of course, I think primarily probably written for immigrant or even like brown readers or wherever they're from, but readers to really relate to. But at the same time, as like a white reader, I also felt like. I'm thankful that Sabatier seemed to put in these moments where it invited me to do better, think better, and, and still be a part of the story and connect to it. And so I do, yeah, I think the story is really just for everyone and anyone who, who picks it up would really benefit from reading it. I think a lot of readers are going to find something to relate to. 
somewhere in here because of the so many so many themes that she covers but it I think again that's why it's so good for younger readers is they're being exposed to all of these different things that they're not going to internalize they're going to grow up knowing how to be better and think better than older generations that you know we're of a generation that has to unlearn a lot of things that we've been taught whereas they're growing up knowing these things from the get-go and I think it's yeah it's just it's nice to know that these things are available and done so well that younger generations you know that's normal for them they they know the state of things and they know how to be better people and we can only learn from them were there any other takeaways that you guys have just a little one really about the characters because when I first started the novel I wasn't sure I liked anybody which (laughs) I was like oh no (laughs) here we go because I think again because they're so real and she's done this so well and they're you know they have various issues and you know you go into the novel and the whole premise is they've had a big fight they've had this massive fallout for some reason you don't really hear Sal's side of things you hear Noah's angry at him and you hear why and you go oh wow he sounds awful and I really liked that I didn't dislike them in the end which yeah makes total sense but yeah I did there was a, a good chunk there where I was a bit worried I think that the characterization of them being maybe a bit young and a bit stubborn and a bit arrogant was going to overtake everything else. But Sabato here has really not forgiven the characters their flaws because of their trauma. Like they're flawed and they have trauma and those things can coexist and you can say you can be happy for them and like them and see how well they've developed and how their character arcs develop over the course of the novel, but also still see that they're young they have a long way to go and that's fine too like it's again coming back to this idea of forgiveness it's all very forgiving it's you are young you are learning and that's fine you can be who you are and you can still know that you can do better but also that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with who you are right now that makes any sense in the long term I both liked and disliked them and that's just again another reason to show how good a writer that that Sabata here is because it is so realistic and they are so rounded and you don't often meet people that are perfect because people aren't and yeah they they are like friends like I, you'd want to be friends with these people because you know that you know their flaws but you know that they know them as well yeah I think one of the great things about this book is that she allows room for them to grow and to breathe like she allows room for them to be making those mistakes and to have those flaws, but also to learn from them. And one of the things that I like too is in areas where it's necessary to be able to to have redemption, those are present in the novel. But then there are also other areas where she doesn't really mince words when it comes to some of the terrible things that are happening. Like I think of um, the character Jamie, who was just so much. Um, and just kind of the crazy, crazy crap that that she was saying. And, and it does start out pretty subtle toward the beginning, but toward the end, it becomes much bigger. And on one hand, you'd like to think like, oh, there's nobody who's like this blatantly awful. But no, they exist. I, I don't know. You, I've seen like instances in the news where you have uh, people of color who are being bullied by their peers or some like horrific things that are happening in 
Snapchat groups and, and stuff like that. And um, so, yeah, stuff like that definitely exists. And I, I like that while she while forgiveness is a huge theme of this book and she allows for these characters to grow from their flaws, she has also made sure to to point out the things that are just unacceptable, the things that that you really can't you really shouldn't make room for in your life. And I think Jamie's character in particular is, is a really strong example of that where this is, you know, I don't know. Sure. She could redeem herself, but that's not really what her, her arc was about. You know, she, she's about the awfulness that exists sometimes among peers, especially the awfulness that's racially charged. And I just really appreciated that she brought attention to that and she didn't try to sugarcoat it. And she didn't try to create a, this redemption arc for that particular character, even though there are some other characters that have done some pretty terrible things as well. But, you know, we do get a bit of redemption for them. It's just it was so well balanced and she allowed room to, to have both of them in the story. Yeah, it's it's really nice that she in another way is teaching teaching anybody that's reading this book that. Yeah, there are things that you can and maybe should forgive or you can choose to. And there are some things that is OK to completely cut people out or completely you know and if anything that's the right thing to do because they need to learn their lesson and it's not your job to teach them it's you know you have to look after yourself first and foremost especially in these kind of situations where there's so much else going on uh, of a character like Jamie in this is you don't need her you know when no one's self realize they're like nope get rid of it she's not beneficial she can do what she wants but they don't have to deal with that and they shouldn't be made to deal with that. Your comments uh, about Jamie make me think too, like uh, I totally forgot some of these other characters that we haven't even mentioned yet who follow the same kind of pattern like Eleanor was saying of these characters with depth and who develop and and they're flawed. And and so we could do a whole uh, book club spinoff podcast and do a series of podcasts with character discussions about just um like Iman Shafik and Khadija and Ashley I thought was a fantastic character and even like Sal's father Norse uncle to an extent like these characters all have these flaws this roundness they develop some of them yeah right develop in positive meaningful ways and some of them develop to like Jamie to be worse and we learn that uh with this theme of forgiveness you do have to kind of earn it and and some characters don't earn that and and so really this there's a whole cast of of really great characters in this book that we could get into but we probably don't have time today <laughs> there's so much to to dive into spencer did you have another takeaway that you wanted to bring up i just also wanted to say earlier in this conversation we talked about how you know like despite being a YA book this book really is for for anyone and any adult could pick it up and enjoy it but i also wanted to say that i appreciated how this truly was a YA book like for young adult readers and it struck me as as like a really modern YA classic written in the tradition of many uh, classic YA problem no- novels. <laughs> um, we call them in, uh, in in my YA studies classes that I took. And it reminded me of books, really classic YA novels that I've read before. So I wanted to pull out a couple really quick comparisons for you and just see if you agree with me or see if there's any more that you can add to the list. An obvious one is that like Noor is an orphan and is raised by an abusive step-uncle. This is obviously very Cinderella. Um, and But also in the tradition of a lot of other YA books, we see books about orphans. It's a very similar archetype. It made me think of the way that music is in this book we haven't got into, but it's huge, the role that music plays. Norris constantly listening to music and all of these songs are referenced. She almost has like a playlist of songs that remind me a lot of like Charlie's playlist and The Perks of Being a Wallflower, if you know that book. 
um, the way that he used music to tell his story there. And in a similar way to The Perks of Being a Wallflower, there's kind of like slow revelations about traumas from the past that with Nora's story, I didn't realize everything that was going on at home with her uncle until like the reveal at the end of the book. Also kind of similar to Perks and other stories, you kind of have this book within a book, as in we learn that the chapters from Miss Ba's point of view are actually being written by Sal from prison that towards the end of the novel. Something that reminds me kind of like The Outsiders that we've, after you finish reading The Outsiders, at the end it's revealed that Ponyboy wrote this whole book himself for his like classroom project. So this very classic YA trope to have like a book within a book. And so to learn that Sal himself was writing part of the story. Other things with Sal was like Sal throughout the book likes to call people monsters, some of uh, the abusive men in his life. And when he's in prison and, and in court, he starts to really become concerned and worry if he's a monster. At one point, he calls himself a monster. And it made me think of the classic YA novel Monster by Walter Dean Myers, which is a courtroom drama with a really similar message. And so, yeah, I saw all these connections, as well as the book itself references a whole bunch of other YA novels, which is a lot of fun. It makes references to uh, books by Adam Silvera, makes references to like Miss Marvel, the books by G. Willow Wilson, etc. So this book is really is trying to be a YA book. It's not trying to be anything else. This is a YA novel at its core. So were there any other things like that that you noticed or did anything that I just say, you know, stick out to you when you were reading? I think the only thing I really picked up on was I did notice that there were like some little cameos from other YA novels as I was reading the book, uh, which I thought I had totally forgotten about that. But yeah, I thought that was that was pretty cool. And I feel like other authors do that as well every once in a while. So it's always kind of fun to to see when YA authors are giving a nod to their peers in their own works. So, but no, I think beyond that, I didn't have any strong observations like you did with all of those. I think that's really neat. She's taking some of the classic ingredients of, of a YA novel and she gives her own spin to them here and it, it makes for a really, really strong and powerful book. Yeah, I'm the same in that I didn't make the illusions as I was reading, but hearing you listen, Spencer, is I've gone, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that that makes total sense to me now. And yeah, that's, again, testament to her writing, really, that she's doing that, but it's not obvious. Like, it's not like, oh, I'm doing this because this is YA. It's I'm doing this because I'm amazing. And you like people that are going to pick up on it are going to really appreciate that. You kind of alluded to the fact that she doesn't do it just for the sake of doing it she's she's doing it because you know because she's amazing but I, like I think back to what we read earlier her her the little snippet about this book and it's really very personal and she talks about how this book was first and foremost for herself like that's who she wrote it for and as we've even throughout this whole conversation we've talked about like what a strong writer it takes to do this and this and this I would actually be really interested to talk to her about about some of those things like like how intentional how much of it was the craft and then just how much of it was like inspiration they go hand in hand right but i suspect that one of the reasons why all of these we can make all of these connections is because she herself is so well versed in in these novels like they probably come i would suspect that they come very naturally to her and i suspect one of the reasons why these characters feel so real and authentic, like we've said, and just the intersectionality of all the different issues that they're dealing with and, and the different identities that they're trying to juggle. 
I suspect that comes from a very organic place in her life as well. And so definitely like everything that we've said is true. Like it takes an, a phenomenal writer to be able to do all of these things. But I suspect probably the biggest reason why this book is so strong is because it's coming from such an organic place. When you have an author who's really writing truly from the heart, that's when you get these phenomenal books. You know, they're not formulas. <laughs> you just plug a bunch of different things in and you throw a bunch of different tropes or references and stuff in into the book. It's it's coming from a real genuine place. Having spent 15 years, you know, dreaming up and writing this novel piece by piece, I can imagine all of the books that she read along the way that probably touched her heart and stayed with her that almost kind of make their way into her writing. Like as a young adult author, I'm sure she's reading tons of YA books. And so I felt like this really almost felt like a gift back to the YA community. And I really do. I think I already kind of consider it in my head like one of those modern classics. Like I would put it right there with all those books that I mentioned earlier, put them on the shelf together. I think it belongs with some of these classic novels. And I think this is one that will continue to be read and uh, celebrated for the years to come. Once again, another phenomenal book for the book club. It's going to be really awkward when we finally have a book that we all hate and <laughs> we get together and we're just like, yeah, this one wasn't a good pick. Hopefully that never happens. But anyway, this was a fantastic book. Thank you for joining us for this for this book club selection. We hope that you enjoyed the book. We hope that you enjoyed the discussion. We would like to know your thoughts on the book as well. And once again, trying to make good use of this feature in Spotify. If you're watching or if you're listening to this podcast in Spotify, you know, just open up the app, go to the now playing screen and scroll down a little bit and you'll see a prompt from us. And we're just asking for your thoughts. Like, what is your main takeaway from All My Rage? What is something that you would want to share and contribute to this discussion? If you type in a little response there, we will pin your response and other listeners uh, who are using the Spotify app will be able to actually see your response. So it's kind of like you're a little bit more involved in the book club. So we hope you'll take advantage of that feature. Do you guys want to let everybody know where they can find you online? Yeah, sure. So you can find me on Instagram um, at words.and.wanderings. And you can find uh, me on Twitter at Spencer B. Miller and on Instagram at YA Canada Books. Also, Spencer's Instagram is great. And I'm not just saying that. He's like killing it with his with the YA Canada Books <laughs> Instagram account. Meanwhile, there's me where I'm just like a pancake when it comes to social media. <laughs> but if you want to follow me, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Solmark. It's S-A-U-L-M-A-R-Q. And of course, you can follow Bookstacked. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or you can even follow this podcast on Twitter at BookmarkedYA. Once again, thank you for being here. Uh, you'll be hearing from us again soon with more panel discussions, more author interviews, and eventually another book club. Until then, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.